0: Mic check, mic check. Mic check. Ladies and gentlemen, you have Chris Thomas, and you're listening to The Running Back Sports Show, Sports for the Culture. What is going on, everybody? What is going on? We are back, and if you want to call to join the discussion, the numbers 215-763-9596. We actually have a pretty good show for you today. Kai Carlin will be calling in shortly on the top of the hour to talk Philadelphia 76ers basketball with us. And at 630, we got my boy Jeff Bowers from the Sports Narrative calling in to talk NFL free agency. And, man, we have a good show for you today. We are back live here in the studio. It's just me today, so you're just going to have to deal with the next 90 minutes. I'm going to cut the show a little bit short today. You know, you're going to have to deal with me talking to some pretty high esteemed guests, and you're going to be hearing my opinions. It's going to be a good show. Speaking of, top of the yard, we got Kai Carlin calling in. Hello? Hey,
1: Kai.
0: Hey, hey, Kai. How's it going, man? It's Chris.
1: What's up, man? How are you?
0: I'm good, man. First off, man, um, so how's. Look, man, I'm, I'm, I've been seeing your stories, man. How's the traveling been for you?
1: you know, it's been a blast. It's been absolutely been a blast. I, I, um, you know, this is my first time in Dallas, so that was really cool to get to Dallas, see that arena, see how things are done there is really cool. Um, and then, you know, I've, just, I've never been from city to city, like in terms of travel in the past. So, yeah, just an overall, it's a really awesome experience.
0: Okay. Uh, is there still that? Is there still another city you need to cross off that bucket list?
1: Uh, at some point, definitely Chicago. Oh, you never I been to Chicago? Been, yeah, I haven't been to Chicago. Yes.
0: Oh, I'm, I'm honestly surprised. I mean, like proximity wise, I thought it would be easier to get there, but.
1: Yeah, well, I, I know, especially living in Michigan. Just like yeah, just, you know, Chicago is never. I I've never been there. So.
0: Okay, all right. Um. So, so, Kai, um, they close out, uh, the Sixers are on a five-game road trip. They closed their road stand out tonight in Minnesota. So, uh, if you had to grade their performance right now on the road, what grade would you give them?
1: For this road trip specifically? Yes. Uh, probably an A. I mean, it's kind of hard not to give them less than an A. I guess maybe an A-minus maybe. Um, because, look, the most impressive win was obviously the win in Milwaukee, down 18, being able to rally, come back and win that one. Uh, you're playing against the Bucks, who had won 16 games in a row. Uh, you're facing a, a team that you're probably you're going to have to go through if you want to reach the NBA Finals, this upcoming playoff run. So the fact that they were able to go in there and get a win, very, very impressive. Uh, but then to follow it up with the effort last night in Indiana, really wasn't impressed. Sure, they won the game, the three and one on the trip, but to give up 143 points in regulation to an Indiana Pacers team that entered the night ranked 21st in offensive rating, not not all that impressive. But you could also make the case that they were on an emotional high coming off the win over the Bucks. So I, I can see both arguments. So um, oh, yeah, that definitely an A, an A minus at the worst. This has been a really good road trip for them.
0: Yeah. And uh, one thing I'm kind of concerned about, like, let me know if I'm reading too much into this, is that this injury report keeps stacking up. Obviously, you know, uh, Tobias and P.J. Tucker is questionable. Now James Harden's on the injury report. And Joel's been nursing, like, the sore foot for what's been going on for months now. Is this uh, something I should uh, – Sixer fans should be worried about or this – or we shouldn't be worried about this at all?
1: Um, I mean, P.J.'s 37. So I feel like he should always be worried about his health. I mean, the guy's old. In NBA years, he's old. But he's proven that he can help the team in big games. I think that's something about the fan base is really kind of like missing the point of the whole P.J. Tucker edition. Like, he's brought in to win the big ones, which at this case, he's been able to do so in a big way. We all remember the Denver game. He was terrific on Nikola Jokic after halftime. Uh, his defense against, you know, the Joker was impressive as hell. And then uh, there there were a couple of a got a couple of times in the the Boston games. Sixers weren't able to win any of these Boston games so far. But Tucker has made a lot of different plays in order to give this put the Sixers in a position to win the game. They just weren't able to get over the hump. Um, even in the Milwaukee game the other night, I mean, I think Giannis was two for six when defended by Tucker. So. They're gonna need Tucker, but yeah, you know you, you do definitely worry about his health. He's 37, so you never know like how much more he's got left in the tank and how much he's got left in that body. Um, Tobias's injury, I really wouldn't worry about. James' injury, I wouldn't worry about. Second out of a back-to-back, so it's like you know whatever for James. They threw him on this precaution, and you always have to worry about Joel's health. Literally every single year, so
0: yeah. Um, and honestly, one of the biggest surprises, you know, post All-Star break. Was the only move that they did during the trade deadline was the addition of Jalen McDaniels. So obviously he had a really good showing on Saturday, especially in those late minutes, uh, since Tobias Harris and he got his first start uh, against Indiana last night, put up twenty points. Uh, so if you had to grade his performance so far, you know uh, what would you give him?
1: Probably somewhere around a a B, a B plus. This is kind of what you expected out of him. This is this is what he did in Charlotte. Um, I think the only thing that's like you know really been a disappointment is his three-point shooting. Like he's still not able to hit an open three. Um, he hit one. He hit a big one against Milwaukee. So sure, but I think he missed both of them against Indiana. He he missed them against Dallas. He wasn't making them against Miami. Um, he had a clutch one against the Bucks. So that's gonna be the one that people are gonna remember, like late in the third quarter to help them get back in the game. But uh, I think the three-point shooting has kind of been what everybody was expecting but he has been able to give. And I do believe that come playoff time that's gonna be that's obviously gonna be the biggest attribute they can bring to the table. He's gonna to have to hit threes because remember that's what we all said about Matisse Seibel. Well Matisse Seibel can't hit threes. Okay, let's go get Jalen McDaniels. And the difference between Jalen and Matisse is Jalen can put the ball on the floor and Jalen can you know, he can get to the basket and he can do things on the offensive end that Matisse couldn't. But the biggest thing is going to be the three point shot. So if Jalen's second hit threes, that's what people are going to remember the most.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And also, one of also the bigger uh, storylines is that Matisse, uh, not Matisse, Tyrese Maxey's coming back to the starting lineup. Do you, um, with him back in the starting lineup, do you think that this is something that Tyrese Maxey is going to stay at, or do you think he might eventually go back to the bench with everybody back healthy?
1: I mean, he better stay in the starting lineup. He's a starter. So it's just like it doesn't make much sense to bring him off the bench if you really want to unlock his offensive potential. Like, just he can't – okay, like like here's the thing with Tyrese right now. He has no move. He's got no dribble move. It's straight speed to the basket. That's that's how he scores. He's so quick and he's so fast that you can take a guy off the dribble and get to the basket. But he has no move. And that's an issue when he's out there with the bench because nobody's going to help off. You know, you know any of the bench guys or you know or anything like that in order to give him the proper space he needs, except for maybe Doris Niang. But when you're in the starting lineup with James Harden and Joel Embiid, that gives you the space to operate. It gives you the um, the freedom to do a lot more because you're going to have James and Joel next to you, and Tyrese is then able to use the speed to take guys off the dribble and get to the basket. And you know he's able to knock down open threes. He wasn't getting the same open threes off the bench. He also wasn't getting the same opportunity to drive to the basket off the bench because he has no dribble move. All he does is all he has is speed. So that's something to realize that he's got to start. Because if he does, if, he's, if he's not, he's not going to be as effective. And we all saw that.
0: Mm-hmm. So uh, with the way that – I know it's only been a few games, obviously, but do you think that with the way in, uh, McDaniels is playing and giving – Uh, you know, like certain things, his ability to cut to the basket, the ability to switch, do you think there might be a a potential change in the starting lineup if once when Tucker and Tobias Harris come back healthy?
1: No. like I've been been asked this question so many times. No, you don't move (laughs) Tobias Harris or P.J. Tucker to the bench. You just don't. Because you need P.J. for one. As I highlighted before, P.J. is the one who makes all the differences when, when you're playing in these big games. And Tobias is getting paid 44 million dollars you just don't
0: move that to the bench mm-hmm. but, so for tobias it's more so the fact that he makes too much for you to bring him off the bench as opposed to you know him might being able to get the ball more in the second unit then
1: i don't think it's that for me it's it's a combination of both yeah he makes a lot of money but he's also you, you also need him as a spot up three-point shooter like i like, he's still morphing into that role. That's something that Doc Rivers is still going to to go to. Like, he's there's going to be no changes to the starting lineup. Yeah. It, it just isn't. And that's why, like, you know, when I see people talk about it on Twitter, I kind of roll my eyes because it's like nothing's going to change in the starting lineup. This is who they are. This is the lineup that's going to roll out there. Whether you think differently or not, it's not going to change. Yeah.
0: Listen, yes, listen. We need we need something to talk about, you know, especially during the off days. I'm just saying. But all I'm saying in regards to Tobias Harris coming off the bench, all the problems that you said uh, that Tyrese Maxey would have coming off the bench, that's where kind of Tobias Harris excels at. You know, him being co- able to come off the bench, get his own shot. Uh, that that would that, that kind of would kind of remedy things. But you know, I, I definitely understand this point of the season it's too late to experiment with stuff like that.
1: I also kind of disagree with the whole he's gonna be able to get a shot with the second unit. It's not like Tobias is a guy who can take you off a dribble. You know what I mean? Like he's got size, he's got strength, sure, but he's not he he's not a guy who's going to go, like carry a unit. So again, like he's another one where you just you, you got to have him out there with James and Joe, and then. Throughout the game, you'll have him with the second unit, like like with him and Tyrese or him and James or, or him and Joe, somebody, just to go along with the second unit. But, I mean, Tobias with four bench players isn't exactly the way to go.
0: Mm-hmm. Right. So, um, obviously, with their big win against Milwaukee, you know, this past Saturday, does that give you a little bit more confidence that the Sixers could take – could potentially beat Milwaukee in a seven-game series.
1: Uh, no. I I I mean, it's a, it's an impressive win. It's, it's the win over the Bucks was impressive. Like it's not like I'm, I'm not trying to. It's not like I'm trying to downplay it because I mean, hell, that that's that's great. You know, to go into Milwaukee and beat the Bucks the way they did, down eighteen. James Hulk James was great. Joel was great, but. The regular season, like for some reason, I, just, I believe that if it was the playoffs, they would have gotten blown out. And it's because I, I don't trust this team in the playoffs yet, like um, until they show that they can get it done in a playoff setting. And I mean, hell, you can say the same thing about the I guess you can make the same case about the 2021 Bucks and the 2019 Raptors until until you show you can get it done in the playoffs. You're going to have a lot of doubters. And right now, that's what the Sixers are for me. It's just like you guys are such a great regular season team, but you always come up short in certain moments. So it's just one of those things where until you show in the playoffs, you are going to have a lot of doubters. And right now, I'm still doubting them.
0: Okay. So as of right now, the Sixers are the three seed. And in regards to seeds number four and six between the Cavs, Knicks, and Brooklyn, uh, only three and a half games separate all three of them. So what would the ideal first round matchup be for the Sixers to get out of the first round?
1: Um, I would say probably Brooklyn. Yeah, probably Brooklyn just because obviously they're not, there's no more KD and Kyrie. Hell, there's no even Ben Simmons anymore. That guy is completely gone. And, <laughs> The only guy you really even have to worry about really is McCall Bridges is Spencer Dinwiddie. You know, like both those guys can really, can really hurt you. But the rest of that team is they're young, they're, you uh, know, they're they're not, you know, like really big difference makers or, or anything. They're they're still young and athletic, but and, and that's the type of team the Sixers struggle with. But Sixers would, that's probably the easiest first round playoff series. Uh, you don't want to face Miami because you want nothing to do with Jimmy Butler. Um, you just you want nothing to do with that guy, and you don't. We don't really want New York either because New York is physical. they there's just a tough, freaking bunch, and they will. They, they're their physical team. They they throw their they throw their bodies around. There's a potential for an injury. You, just, you don't want to face New York, and you don't want to face Miami because of the Jimmy Butler factor. So, and, and I think and for the record, I think the Sixers would beat any of these teams. But it, you know when you face the Heat you always have to deal with Eric Spolstra and Jimmy Butler, and then when you face New York, you got to deal with all the physicality and, and Jalen Brunson and everything that comes with that. So Brooklyn will probably be the one that will probably be the easiest one for them.
0: Okay. What about the Cavaliers?
1: Um, I wouldn't want to face the Cavs. Absolutely not. Wouldn't want to face the Cavs. The Cavs are huge. <laughs> and, and so between the Cavs having Darius Garland and Donovan Mitchell, which, again, Sixers are so terrible... On the perimeter defensively, I mean, I know you saw that Dallas game. They gave up 25 three pointers, and they let Luka Doncic and Kyrie Irving carve them up. So, then you you, for you to deal with Donovan Mitchell, who's already scored 71 points in the game this season, and then Darius Garland, like that would be a nightmare for Philadelphia to handle. And on top of that, you'd also have the rebounding issues. The Sixers are a god awful rebounding team, and the Cavaliers have these hulking bigs all across the line. So yeah,
0: now now if you play if you face Cleveland you might lose round one. Okay. All right, and uh, speaking of Kyrie and uh, Luca, um, one last question before I let you go: Who do you, what, what team would you trust more in the Western Conference? Uh, Luka Luke and Kyrie in the Mavs or Devin Booker Katie and the Suns?
1: Phoenix, and it's not even a second thought. The, the, every one of those guys that's been there done that. And I know Kyrie's got a ring and Luca made the Western Conference Finals. That, that Mavs team played zero defense. And they, they, I wouldn't be surprised if they lost round one. They, they, they can't play defense. They can't defend anybody. So, sure, Luca and Kyrie are going to score a bunch of points. But, I mean, they don't impress me as like a outside of Luca and Kyrie. They don't impress me. They're, they're going to lose. They're, they might lose round one. And depending on the matchup, and they, I would be shocked if they got past round two.
0: Yeah, I mean, right now they're a the seven seed, and the season ended today. Even with playoffs playing included, they will play the Grizzlies without Ja.
1: Um, depending on what happens with this Ja Morant investigation, which doesn't look good at all, then, then sure, I, I could see them maybe beating the Grizzlies just because they have so many issues, but then. You know, like round two, they do. They have to face who's a sixth seed right now. Uh,
0: the at the season end of the day, the Suns and the Warriors will play in the first round. And, and oh,
1: yes, yeah. and they lose. Then Dallas would lose. will lose either of those seeds.
0: Yeah, and, and you said the John Moran situation is not looking good. Like,
1: well, I'm sure you got. I'm sure you know of the CBA. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I mean, if they find out that that gun was on the team plane or anywhere in the team vicinity, he's out for the season. He's going to be suspended fifty games. So, like, like, like so so that's what I mean by that. Like, I mean, the fact that that's already being floated out there makes me think that there could be something to that, where he brought that on the team plane or you know in the team locker room something, and if that's the case, then yeah, job season is done. And you'll have to try again next year. Oh. So, it's one of those things where, you know, you are kind of you're playing the what if game. Like, like if it does happen, then then yeah, the Grizzlies they they're they're gonna they might lose round one too. So, yeah, yeah.
0: unfortunately. Anyway, Kai, um, I appreciate you taking the time to uh, call in the show. Tell the people where they can find you at.
1: Uh, you can find <clears throat> excuse excuse me. You can find me on on Twitter and Instagram, Kai underscore Carlin, K Y underscore C A R L
0: I N. Yeah, absolutely. Be sure to check out the stuff, man. The stuff is always good. Kai, appreciate you uh, taking the time. Have a good night, man.
1: Thank you, Chris. Talk to you soon.
0: All right. And once again, you're listening to 98.5 run running back sports show. Switch for the closer. If you want to call to join the discussion, that number is 215-763-9596. It is always good to talk to Kai and get his insight and opinions about Sixers basketball. Because, listen, as fans, we have, you know, our viewpoints and our takes on it. But it's a lot different when you're covering for the team and you're around the facilities. Like, there are certain things that, you know, People who actually cover the team for a living know more than, than than fans do, but man, this John Moran situation because I did read it because if th- that gun was around the team facility, team planes, that's an automatic fifty game suspension according to the CBA rules, and yeah, that is man, that's ugly, oh, man, but. Listen, in regards to Job ja, in regards to John ja Morant, in that situation, in the end, it's nobody's fault. It's nothing to do with the black community, it's nothing to do with even Ja's parents. Ja's father is around. T. Morant is at gameside. Like we all know the close relationship that he has with his son Ja. In the end, Ja just is for a lack of better term, just had poor judgment. The, the politically correct term to say it, I'm not going to slander like any 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 worse than what has been going on in regards to social media, in regards to the situation, but just poor lapse of judgment. Like, in, a, in an era of basketball, an era of sports period, where there is more money to be made as of right now compared to what the NBA was 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, Free agency, the restricted free agent tax like role players are getting you know legitimate uh legitimate contract extensions as well for never even making an all star game. you're going to fumble the bag because of that poor lapse of judgment, and honestly, that is just really <laughs> I'm sorry that's just really stupid on John's part. you have an opportunity at generational wealth, you have an opportunity to be in the NBA as one of the premier faces of the league. We've seen in the, we've seen how much you matters in the Memphis community towards these fans. We have seen how much you matter in regards to you know just the players in, in in that locker room. So the fact that you took it upon yourself to essentially act out and to honestly just make a poor poor judgment move just to just to be stupid and to mess up your money, and this Donaldson just doesn't affect you in regards to your mo- your money. This also affects your teammate as well because now, you know Taylor Jenkins, Desmond Bay, Stephen Adams, now like now as a team that was the number two seed, and when you were there, you had a legitimate opportunity to go to the finals, especially with the way that the Western Conference was shaping up to be. Because now it looks like open season. And now the fact that you've made this terrible decision to to just play with a gun and now not only jeopardize, you know, your season, your opportunity for a championship, but also jeopardize your teammates' opportunity to go out and venture for a championship. I'm sorry, that's kind of unforgivable to me. Like in the end, prof- players are professionals, they'll go about, you know, their business and They'll just say all the right things. They're not going to drag John in public. But in those locker rooms, I'm like, like personally, if it was me, I'm just looking inside. I'm like, we had an opportunity to do something great. We were the number two seed. The only team that we probably more or less probably have to worry about at that point is either a healthy Nugget squad and a healthy Phoenix squad. And now there's a there's a scenario in which we have to play a number seven seed that is either going to be Kyrie and Luka in the Dallas Mavericks or we got to play Paul George and Kawhi Leonard without our best player. That's got to suck, man. <laughs> man, that's just... And I'm not going to sit here and I'm not going to like harp on it all day, but man, but... John Morant, you got to do better, my brother. And more importantly, man, like, your whoever your friend circle is that um, enables you that this behavior is okay, he doesn't need to be in your – they don't need to be in your circle. Like, when you're making that much money, when you're making that – when you're having that much success, when you're receiving that much good blessings in your life, when you matter that much as a community figure – you need somebody, you need people in your corner that is going to nurture that. You're going to need people in your corner that are going to be like, yo, what you're about to do right now, this ain't it. You need to chill with all that. You, And I'm not just speaking the fact that if you're an NBA player or a sports player, that you need that, everybody needs that in their life. They need somebody on which you need to pull them to the side and be like, yo, this is not it. What you're about to do, this dance that you're about to do, like, this thing you're about to show off on Instagram and, like, for social media likes and all that stuff. Like, this ain't it. You need better people in your corner. You need people in your corner that are going to enable you to do the right thing, enable you to continue to be a positive influence you know, in your life, you know, continues to nurture and enable you being a positive influence to that little girl that you gave your sneakers to at the end of a, at the, at the end of a, at the end of a NBA game. You need that positive, re- every person, especially black people, man, because Lord knows we need more positive black influences in our lives, man, period, especially with the way the world treats us. We need more positive reinforcement in the black community. We need people. We need leaders. We need friends. We need associates. We need people in our circle that are going to nurture and enable us to do right by people. It en- enable us to make sure we do the right things. You know, make sure that we wake up and we make the most of our day and be productive. Because job, what you're doing right now, it starts off with a 50-game suspension, but then at that point, it could domino effect for you to eventually get blacklisted from the league. Unofficially, man. And as for always, man, listen, we may be talking about sports, man, but listen, throughout the whether it's me, whether it's my co-host Jamal Thomas, um, who is right now is doing the damn thing at his brand new job, um, wishing he couldn't be here today, whether it's my other co- co-host Corey or DeAndre or you know my other former co-hosts like Mark and Carm. like Listen, man, we always enable the fact that just we're a sports talk show, but we're always about for the culture. And right now for the culture – we need more positive influences, man, because this John Moran news, man, this ain't it. The whole continue, this unnecessary continued rivalry and petty beef that's going on between Chris Rock and Will Smith, man, that ain't it either. You need to make, listen, if you're listening to this show, I need you to understand and I need you to realize something. And I want you to ask yourself this question. In, in your close friends, in your friend circle, are you enabling a positive image? Are you enabling and nurturing for your friends, for your families, for your associates, your coworkers? It could just be for anybody. Them to be for you to be a positive impact in their lives. I need you to sit down and answer that, man. And if you really can't, off the top of your head, think that, yes I am, then you need to reevaluate your priorities, man. Cause I, cause for me, like, I can't imagine myself like being being a son, being a big brother, you know, you know, you, know, you know, being being a being a partner, you know, being a co- being a good being a good coworker, and not do everything that I could possibly can to enable and inert- and nurture a positive image and a positive environment towards every anything that I'm doing. I just can't do it, and I think it's time that we sit down and we realize that. This is what we need to do, man. We need to really sit down and we need to really evaluate and make a change, man. Once again, you're listening to 98.5 WJYN, the Runabout Sports Show, Sports for the Culture. If you want to call to join the discussion, that number is 215-763-9596. It is almost 6.30 and it's almost my favorite time of the show. Man, my boy Jeff Bowles from the Sports Narrative is going to call in momentarily to talk about us with our NFL free agency that officially starts next week. But, you know, as of two and a half hours ago, the franchise tag deadline has officially passed. And unfortunately for the Philadelphia Eagles, no how he didn't feel like nobody was worth that franchise tag. We have over 20 free agents. One of the more significant ones was C.J. Garner-Johnson, our starting safety, Javon Hargrave, T.J. Edwards. Uh, A lot of them are defensive. A lot of them are on the defensive side. I just want people to know that. Fletcher Cox, Brandon Graham, uh, Bradbury, C.J. Garner-Johnson, like I said. And, yeah, Howie's going to have his work cut out for him this offseason. But there are a bunch of other storylines that you need to work, that you uh, need to pay attention to, and we're going to get into that with my boy Jeff. Hey, Jeff, how's it going, man? Hey, man, what's good, y'all? No, nothing, man. Listen, first of all, it's just me and you today, man.
2: Well, well, we got plenty to talk about, so I think we'll be all right. <laughs> yeah, we, we
0: absolutely do, man. The man. Uh, the official NFL free agency, it starts next week. I cannot wait. No doubt. Yep. We already see some moves, big moves that have been going on over these last 48 hours.
2: <laughs> and, you know, and, and we knew that was coming, right? Like, you know there was all the talk about the combine, and, and you know the combine's a place where all the GMs are there. Everybody gets together, then everybody leaves, and they all go out and have steak dinners, and they all talk to each other, and this is where these deals get done, right? You know, there, there's all the speculation and stuff before, and and people making calls and 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 little stuff, but man, there at the combine is when it happens. And the, you know, as far as uh, with the Lamar situation in Baltimore, they were like, look, deadline is going to be. Absolutely, if we don't have a deal done by that Sunday, then we're going to be start to look in a different way. They tried a last-minute deal, didn't work. They give him the tag with the non-exclusive tag. Now, here's the funny thing about Lamar. You would think, and everybody said, oh, man, line forms to the left for that dude. Like, who doesn't want Lamar Jackson on their team, MVP, all this stuff, hand him that guaranteed money. He's earned it. Except, since that time, since a couple of hours ago Carolina says they're out Raiders say they're out Falcons say they're out now are they really commanders said they're out now are they really I don't know but man that market drew up, closed up quick Dolphins say they're out and so it's like oh maybe the Ravens you know we all thought oh man the Lamar's winning this PR battle Maybe not. <laughs> it's going to be weird, man, if he's sitting there and nobody offers him anything and the Ravens are like, yep, play on the tag, buddy. Oh, this thing is weird.
0: I mean, yeah, I mean, you also have to think about the guidelines where it's like, you know, certain teams were already out of the running because you need to have two consecutive uh, first-round picks in order for you to even sign yep. to get like an offer sheet too. So that already eliminated, you know, some of the big players like, 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 like hypothetically, like the Rams or the 49ers. Miami, Miami, yep. yeah, because you know that they forfeit their first round pick trying to get Tom Brady. Yep. <laughs> yeah.
2: And so, yeah, that's the thing. Okay, so so the other deal is uh, again with with Lamar situation. You know, you're you're looking at um, you know the the league was super pissed at the Browns. For doing the guaranteed contract, they were pissed at the Vikings for doing it with Kirk Cousins, and they were super mad at the Browns for doing it for Watson. Right yep. now, the Browns had to, right? Like they ain't no way Deshaun Watson's going to Cleveland without that deal, right? So they had to do it. But everybody in the league's ticked about it because they knew this day would come, and here it is, right? Lamar says, "I'm better than that dude. I need I need more money, right? Same, yeah. same, you know, same time, all this stuff, and." This is why it's a problem, and, you know, DaCosta is absolutely going to put a foot in the sand and say, we are not doing that. And so far, it seems like the rest of the league is kind of in collusion with it, saying, we're not doing that. Now, man, I, it's, will somebody break? Will somebody fold and, and do it? Man, I, I would think so. When I started looking at, like I said, the team that jumped out to me immediately, obviously everybody was all in about the Falcons, and, man, it would be a killer move for the Falcons to make that. But the the, the team that jumped to me immediately was the Commanders. Man, why not? What have you got to lose? <laughs> you know? Yeah, you, you can't, like, say to... how that much. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, like, you got a fifth-rounder who, you know, looked a little okay at the end, but come on now, like – you got a chance to do this to change your franchise. You're gonna get a new owner. Like you can absolutely put a stamp down, and maybe we'll actually all start calling you the Commanders if you're good. Well, let's go, man. Like this is the way you do it. But you know, uh, uh, again, you've got a lot of a lot of different things that got to get signed off on and all of that. And I guarantee you, if it doesn't get like Danny Snyder might do it just as he you know throws up the, the double bird as he's walking out the door and say, "Yep, here's your guaranteed contract." See you later, you know. Yeah. But um, the new guy won't do that, right? Whoever's coming in, they ain't no way that dude's handing out the money because he just he just now got in the league. Like they ain't no way that dude's coming in to rock the boat. That's why they're not letting Bezos in. So, man, I think that is going to be I think that is going <laughs> to be so much fun to watch and and that situation. And uh, you know, like I said, the dominoes are starting to fall. I mean. You know, the the Saints working with their funny money and getting Derek Carr, great for them. I mean, you know, they're going to win that division by default unless Atlanta does change their mind and goes to get Lamar because anybody else in that division is worth a flip. And, uh, you know, the Saints will keep bobbing along at, you know, nine, ten wins, I guess, and that's what they want to roll. I guess that's the way they're going to roll.
0: Yeah. Yeah, so, well, honestly, good news for you is that, you know, you know, your Jets are actually on a plane to talk to Aaron Rodgers and try to work a straight, you know, a deal on that front. So, are you excited, you know, A-Rod coming to the Big Apple?
2: Man, I need you to crank up some all the single ladies from Beyonce. I need you to – because it's 2009 again. It's the last time the Jets were even vaguely relevant. Because <laughs> that's where we're at, man. It is uh, – it is it is impressive. I think w- w- the way Joe Douglas has handled this jet situation, you know, you you had you, you look when you're sitting there at the table and you got the best hand and you know you got the best hand, right? And all these other people are out there and they're trying to bluff you and all this stuff and you've got to be cool, man. You've got to play your cards. You knew you had Derek Carr on the on the hook, right? But you were chasing the big fish, and it they, they looks like, knock on wood, it looks like they're going to get this thing done and. When you look at what this does, not only for, you know, obviously, you know, you're putting on a number 12 again, which is kind of a big deal in, in New York, but you, you're bringing this team to a place where when you start looking at the landscape of the AFC, you know, the Bengals are a team, they're going to lose a couple of pieces, but they're real good. Buffalo's going to lose a couple of pieces, but they're real good. The Chiefs are losing some big pieces, right? And are they going to have the this, this same hunger to, to try to run that thing back? Uh, the Chargers, not quite there yet, and I don't know if Kellen Moore's is the answer there. Jags are, you know, coming up. But, man, when you look around and you say, this team with that defense and this running game, and now I've got Raron Rodgers, why aren't we playing in Vegas in February? I mean, that's the thing you got to start asking yourself, and, man, That is a long way from where we've been in the last 10 years. So, man, it feels good. Like I said, it's it's 2009. It's Beyonce on the radio. It's Obama in the White House. Let's go.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, the question I got for you is that, like, how much in terms of, you know, that salary would Green Bay have to eat in order for for a trade to orchestrate like this?
2: Well, I think what's happening here is it's – so. I heard a lot of talk yesterday, especially when the car signing happened, of like, oh, man, the Jets are going to get fleeced. They're over a barrel now. they got to get Rodgers. It's Rodgers or bust. And that is true. But the Packers are also over a barrel. They can't stay with Rodgers. They ain't paying out $50 million guaranteed or $58 million guaranteed for a guy that they want to put on the bench. And – he certainly isn't gonna retire and not do it in a nice way where you're gonna get your you be able to break that up. Like that ain't how it's gonna roll. He's gonna get his money and then he's gonna bounce, right? So the problem that the Packers had is they had to trade him. If if he wasn't retiring, they had to trade him because they didn't want him back. And they couldn't pay him even if they did. So that I think all along this has been a situation where like it's I, I think the Jets kinda knew, okay. If he comes out the darkness and he says, we, I want to play for the Jets, we got him. We got him, and they got to trade him to us. So now it's just negotiations to say, how much of this money do you want to eat versus how much compensation do you want to get, right? Do you want the 13th pick? or well, you're going to have to eat a lot of money if you want to do that, right? Mm. Otherwise, we're going to give you a second this year. We'll talk about a conditional you know, second that maybe turns into a first and maybe the pick going back to the Jets. For the year after that, if we're eating that contract, right? Like yep. that's the, that's the that's what I expect the structure of the deal will be, and it's going to be massively undervalued, and people are going to absolutely f- just fricassee the uh, the Packers and Gudakunst and all that guy. But they had to do it. There's no choice, right? When they decided we're moving on from Rogers and we don't want him back, at that point they were stuck, and there's only you know, and and it came down to whatever Rogers decides. That's what's happening, right? So if he says, I choose the Jets, like I said, the Jets are like, all right, well, cool. Here's a fifth, you know? (laughs) Like, what are you going to do? You're going to eat $58 million? No. So it goes both ways on this. I think what's going to happen, and I think both of those general managers, both Joe Douglas and Goodo, do a good job. I think they're going to come to a mutual place where both can walk away looking pretty good. You know, Joe Douglas is going to give up more than he needed to, most likely. But he's got to make gudukus look where it, he doesn't absolutely get fried, and vice versa, right? This yeah. isn't going to be a Seattle situation with Jamal Adams. Like they're not going to make that guy look bad and get fired. They're gonna They're <laughs> gonna figure out a way where both of these dudes can walk away going, "Okay, we're good."
0: Or you know, the former Titans general manager and AJ Brown.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's they're exactly right, man. That was. Uh... That was a bad deal, you know. He kept dragging his feet, dragging his feet, dragging his feet, saying we're not going to trade him, we're not going to trade him, and then you trade him on draft night for pennies on the dollar. Woof. And then you lose that game, and that's what gets you fired. That's what's funny to me. Yeah, um, yeah that that tight boy, the Titans, are in bad shape. But So, yeah. that, like I said, you start looking at the grand landscape of things, and, and even in the NFC, even for you boys down there in Philly, like, I mean, you guys are going to lose some pieces. Obviously, you're going to gain some pieces back with – with this draft, and and man, I think I think you're in a good position to really fortify the things that you're losing. Obviously, you're about to hand out a bunch of money uh, to the quarterback, so that's fine. And coincidentally, if the Commanders do end up with Lamar, you that would be the first division where all four teams has a quarterback making forty million dollars. Mm. That's weird, but are <laughs> at least forty million dollars. So you've got that uh I, I think you guys are in position i think dallas is on a trend down they like said we'll see what the commanders are doing i think the giants dude man i don't know how you justify that to daniel jones uh but you know they got
0: barkley on a tag
2: yeah and and i mean i think that's a good deal you know i mean it's better than tagging your number two running back like the cowboys just did that seems <laughs> dumb but that's fine um but, you know, you got Barkley on the tag. That makes sense. I mean, hell, even if you tagged him next year and he's making $14 million next year, that still ain't bad. So two years, $24 million, okay. That, that's, that's acceptable. Um, but, man, that, that Daniel Jones contract, like you said, now is when you look at do the Giants go get DeAndre Hopkins from Arizona and flip them a second for that. They've got to make big moves. There's not a whole lot of great wide receivers in this draft. That's the next thing I see for the Giants. And it's free agency,
0: and and not a lot in free agency either.
2: Oh man, this wide receiver core. I mean, there's there. I mean, when Alan Lazard and Corey Davis are going to be some of the top players available. Oof,
0: I mean, every great. every time I read um uh, about like the free agency wide receivers, is like, oh, our number one free agency wide receiver this year is Jacoby Myers. I'm like, yikes.
2: <laughs> uh, yes, like uh, number three wide receiver that the Patriots forgot about last year. Oh, all right, cool. Yeah, man, it's it's uh it's gonna be a rough year. Like I said, wide receivers are gonna be something where you know you're gonna see Quentin Quentin Johnson and Jordan Addison go early, and of course Jackson Smith and Jigba, who might be the number one guy off the board. And then after that, man, it is gonna be uh you got a bunch of dudes that are either little guys or height, weight speed guys that can't really run routes. Yeah. Right? It's it and Once that's all ponies. there is. Yeah, one-trick yeah. plays. <laughs> now, for you guys, I think getting a little slot guy who can be that third guy that can replace Quez, man, I think that would be fantastic for you guys. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and getting that third piece. Now, you don't need to spend the world on it. You don't need to spend a first-round pick. You've got other holes to fill. Uh, you need a running back. You need a cornerback. You know, and that's where I, I think you guys – I mean, you can wait on running back, of course. There's yeah. a ton of great runners in this draft. So you don't have to go Gibbs early. But you got to get a corner. I think you're going to need to replace a little bit. You know, losing if you lose Fletcher Cox, I think that's going to be huge, just for like the heart and soul of the thing. You know. Yeah. And then, uh, and then obviously, uh, I didn't hear you ch- tag uh, Chauncey, so I'm assuming he's out the door then too. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah, from I what I read is that
0: he wanted 16 million a year, and I'm like.
2: Yeah. D- well. This is the other thing. The safety market is another place we talk about wide receivers. The safety market. There's not a lot of great safeties in this draft. You got Branch, the the kid uh, Brian Branch out of Alabama, who's a monster. He's killer. He's going to be a first rounder. Yeah. After that, you got a couple not a fan of Jordan Battle. No, I mean Jordan Battle's okay. He's he's a fine like third round safety. I really like Sidney Brown out of Illinois. I do too. Um, I, I, Brandon Joseph out of Notre Dame is a real smart guy. I don't know how athletic he's going to be, but he's really smart. And after that, man, woo, that drops off a cliff. I don't know if there's any, like, plug-and-play starters in the safety class after you get through those three or four. So so now maybe Christopher Smith out of Georgia, but, ooh, man, I, I don't know that I would want to start him, right? He's, yeah. he's a good, like, depth piece. He's a good, competent guy. But uh, So the safety market is going to be huge. You know, I mean, obviously, you you start off there with Jesse Bates. You've got Chauncey Gardner Johnson. You've got um, Juan Thornhill. Thornhill is going to be free. Like these guys are going to get paid, and this is going to be a year where you saw saw Marcus Williams last year from the Saints get paid by the Ravens at about $14 mil a year. Well, oh, that's where the ball starts, right? And it's going to go up from there. And that that I think is where it's going to be. You're going to see those safeties getting 15, 16, 17 million dollars, and Somebody's gonna pay it. And so that that'll be very interesting to see, especially with these teams that do have a bunch of money and need those things, like the Bears, like the Texans, um, that type of thing.
0: Well 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 for Houston, well, they just need someone to pair with Jalen Petrie. I really like Pete I think Petrie had a really good rookie year. So Absolutely. Look at so, yeah. I, I, I
2: Petrie was the guy I was always pounding the table for for the Jets for those two second-round picks. Obviously, they traded up one to get Jermaine Johnson in the first, and then the other one they took Brees Hall. So that worked out pretty well. Uh, but, uh, yeah, Jalen Petrie, and he went right after because the Jets jumped in front of Houston, took Brees Hall, who's, who the Texans would have taken, and they in ta- instead took Petrie. I think he's going to be a monster. He's um, You know, if, if you play those deep fantasy leagues as a uh, – You know, to have the individual defenders on him, he's a he's a nice guy to have on that on that on that team. Uh, He does a lot of things well. Yeah. So, um, you know, I like what the Texans are building. Um, You know, whatever quarterback they end up taking at two, and whoever jumps in front of them at one, which I think they would be fine letting whoever wants to jump in front of them at one. And then you say, because again, if you get Stroud or Young, cool. I'm good with either one of those. You know, I think Stroud is a Stroud's my number one quarterback. You know, I mean, he, as far as a guy who can do all the things I need him to do, can be, even if he's just a plus bus driver tri- type of quarterback, right? Um, that's, I want competency before I want anything else. Now, I am a Jets fan, so I haven't had competency in a long time. But <laughs> that, that's what I'm looking for, right? Yeah. All the other things, like, like I like Bryce Young. I think he can be a real good point guard. But, man, that size, right? Like, you got to work around that size. You saw it with Russell Wilson. You've seen it with Kyler Murray. You even saw it a little bit with Drew Brees. And Drew Brees would start 20 yards behind the line of scrimmage just on some of those dropbacks. But he had the arm strength to get it done, so it was fine. Uh, Russell Wilson, they used to do the same thing in Seattle. They never ran routes over the middle in that Seattle offense because he can't see it. So then when he uh, he goes to Denver and he's running the Nathaniel Hackett offense and they got these crossers over the middle, he can't see it. He can't see over the linemen. So, that, that's why that was a whole disaster. Now, I think Peyton will probably figure that out and figure out how to make that work. But, uh, so, it'll be better. I don't know if it'll be good, but it'll be better. Um, but, yeah, when you have that, when you don't have that size, when you can't see the field like that, it just becomes a problem. And that's my only worry with Young. And then, Richardson is a ridiculous athlete. And, again, I think he's going to be Cam Newton 2.0. Uh, I mean, people are like, he's Josh Allen. He ain't Josh Allen. I mean, he needs Cam Newton, and that's cool. I mean, Cam Newton went to a Super Bowl, but, uh, you know, you you look at the wear and tear, you think about the longevity of that type of thing. I mean, Cam was basically done at 29. Um, That's a problem. And then, of course, Will Levis, who I think has – who, man, he reminds me of Jay Cutler so much. Like, cannon arm, bad decision-making really cocky <laughs> like that's jay cutler which again you can probably win with jay cutler maybe i mean but oof, you, you I were a game
0: look. away from Super Bowl with jay cutler as your qb before that's
2: you, i mean as a dude that was in the league a long time i mean you know a lot maybe, of money <laughs> yeah maybe you can make it work and and so that's the thing i think what's going to happen and and how i think it shakes out is i think somebody will trade up to one to get richardson right Somebody will do it. I don't know who, maybe Carolina. Somebody will do it. Watch out, by the way. Watch out for Seattle. Watch out for Seattle jumping up and get themselves a quarterback. They got two first-round picks. They just signed Geno. Why wouldn't you go get a guy like Richardson that you need to develop and you know you're going to have to at least have him sit a year? Man, that don't seem like a bad gig at all, but yeah. regardless. Um, you know, you've got – I think the Raiders are happy to sit at seven and take Levis, will be the last guy left. Uh, I think, you know, Young will go two to the Texans. And then, you know, the Colts, if they jump up to take Richardson, great. They may jump up to take Stroud. They may sit there at four and take Stroud.
0: Um, Hold on, do the Colts even have a coach yet? Oh, yeah, Shane (laughs) Seinfeld.
2: Yeah, I was going to say, they got your guy.
0: I'm I'm sorry, like, they they were doing, like, like 50-round, like, Iron Chef interviews. I'm just like, wait, hold on.
2: I mean, it's better than Jeff Saturday, so I guess we got, they got <laughs> something going. But actually, you know what? I think that guy's going to be okay. Uh, I, I think coming out of that system, uh, you know, the only issue I ever had with the Eagles on offense was that in big games they got away from the run. They would stop running the ball, yes. and it drove me crazy. And and again, I think that's more a Sirianni thing, but. You know, you got in a big game, and all of a sudden, you you know, uh, the, it, they kind of it got too big for him. And, and, it, and like I said, it, it's kind of like Andy Reid that was that way. I felt early on, and he got he got too big for him in the early games, and he had to really, you know, he had to age and mature and get to that place where you know he he stuck to his guns. He I did mean, the things he was supposed to do.
0: I mean, even so, then Andy Reid like still does that. The difference now is that he can get away with it when you had Patrick Mahomes.
2: Well, there is that. That 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 is the great equalizer, I suppose. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, you, you know, I think they're going to be fine now. I tell you what, your your defensive coordinator, which you know, there's a little bit of snipping as he went out the door, saying, "Hey, you never put us in a position to make plays," and then he goes to Arizona. That might be a disaster. And poor Arizona, man, they just can't get out of their own way, and uh, that that thing might be that thing might be ugly down there.
0: Yeah, honestly, Whoa, wow. I didn't think it would. Listen. It's pretty known that how much I really did not like Cliff Kingsbury, but this might be worse.
2: (laughs) Yeah, and that's that's saying something, you know. I mean, if you're talking about, like, of all these coaches that got hired, if you're talking about a guy that might be one and done, that's the one. Like, if if there is going to be one, that's the one. And that sucks. I mean, you know, in the last few years, like, with the Texans hired a coach these last two years, we're like, well, that's a stopgap guy. He'll be gone soon. We didn't know it'd be that fast, and we didn't know it'd be that, you know, in that big a hurry. But you know, they got Ryan's now. I think the Houston, I think Houston's going to be going in the right direction. Um, by the way, I think that other pick that they take, man, you could put in pen, and that's going to be Nolan Smith because that just seems like, uh, from the second that dude ran the ran the four three nine, everybody oh. went, "Yep, oh, he's a Texan." Cool. And uh, you know. Playing in that wide nine system, with as being the just designated pass rusher, he doesn't even have to be on the field all the rest of the time. Just the designated pass rusher. They run at that San Francisco system. Woo! That is going to be that is going to be some heat. I love it.
0: Yeah, I've, yeah, absolutely, man. But um, so the one one rumor I heard um, down there at the uh, down in Indiana during the combine is that that Tyree Wilson could be the third overall pick. Um, have you heard like anything about that?
2: So, I heard a little bit of that early. Um, I was seeing that, you know, some people were saying they liked him over Will Anderson, um, you know, and obviously the Jalen Carter had had some of that mix and whatnot. I think that's a little, I think that's spin at this point. I think what the Cardinals really want is, you know, obviously the best player is going to fall to them, whoever they think that is, right? Whether it's Will Anderson or Jalen Carter or Wilson, right? I think it's spin. I've, I've, heard some other people back off of that since then, um, so I just don't see it. And, and the guy, while he tested well, he didn't, you know, blow it up or anything. So, uh, I think Will Anderson still holds down that spot, and I think that's, that's going to be the guy there for them. But what's interesting is is then, you know, obviously we should do the quarterback shuffle there. When you get to pick five and you're at Seattle, will they take Jalen Carter? Or, because they've got some pretty good D tackles there, Or do they go with Wilson? And now Carter's falling further, right? Now we're talking about Carter sitting there at six to Detroit or, you know, getting down the board a little bit. And and you know how it is, and this is the funniest thing. I heard somebody the other day on Twitter was talking about the Draft Day movie, which, by the way, I'm in. And they (laughs) talked about, like, oh, man, all this stuff in Draft Day is ridiculous. And I go, you know, some of it's ridiculous. Like getting from downtown, you know, Radio City to Cleveland in the – Span of five picks—that's ridiculous. However, I will say that uh, the idea that a guy starts falling and teams start freaking out about what they don't know—that's real. I've seen it happen in real yeah. time. Like I'm standing there talking to uh, one of the Titans executives, and they—and you know—we're they, just standing there talking, and he's like, "Hey, what's the deal with this guy? Why is he sliding?" And I was like. I don't know. I'm I'm actually looking that up myself. And he's like, because everybody's freaking out and nobody knows what's happening. And I was like, yep, that's exactly it. Now, probably not over a birthday party, but whatever. <laughs> um, so, but that's the thing is like, I if, if Carter starts to fall, man, that is a thing that absolutely, uh, you know, and hey, you know, you guys are sitting at 10. Why not?
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you, you know, know.
2: That wouldn't be bad. That's a good replacement for the Georgia he's Triangle. Going.
0: The Georgia yeah, exactly. Triangle?
2: Just get all the Georgia guys. They seem to do well. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I think um, I think you guys absolutely are going to walk away. If if this scenario plays out, right, and Jalen Carter gets to six with Detroit, well, then that happens there. Well, now you start looking down and saying, oh, well, now Christian Gonzalez could get all the way to ten, yeah. number one cornerback on the board. Absolutely. You can do that all day. Mm-hmm. That is your pick. And then the other pick, uh, you know, you, you pretty much have an open space. You know, you, you can kind of do whatever you want to, take best player available, which is always the best scenario. If if Brian Branch fell to you there, that would be fantastic. Um, but short of that, I think there are guys there. Oh, I meant, I forgot Antonio Johnson, the other safety that's yeah. in that top group with, with A&M. Again, kind of that hybrid guy, uh, you know, middle-round type of dude. But – um, but yeah, I think I think that that opens up for you. But if Christian Gonzalez falls to a ten, man, that that would be killer because um, he's he's cornerback one by a, by a lot.
0: So in other words, he's gonna get taken two picks before us.
2: <laughs> well, that means he'll, I mean, like I said, if he gets past Detroit, that's the the real key there because I think Detroit would be really high on him, and that would be a great pick for them as well. You know, the next tier down, you've got Joey Porter. Uh, junior, who I like, um, I'm not sure, you know, he didn't run, he didn't test great, um, I, I have some concerns about the athleticism, but the dude's, dude's tough, right? Yeah. Um, you've got Witherspoon, who I think, th- the only problem I have with Witherspoon is I think he's more of a zone corner, I think he plays way better in the zone, he's not really a man matchup guy, and you guys don't play that pure, you know, cover two zone type of thing, so... I worry about that limitation there. TV Ringo, I'm not a fan of at all. Um, you know, I, I, I of those top corners, I think he falls well down the list. And then you get into that next mix of like Banks out of uh, Maryland and Cam Smith out of South yeah South Carolina, who I like, but I've heard has of some off-field stuff that could be a problem. Um, yeah, so so you know, when, if, if you miss on Christian Gonzalez, I might if I were you wait until the second pick and then take whatever corners there, right? Because, like, if you're going to fall into that next group, you might as well just fall into that next group. So, yeah.
0: Right. So, um, it, in regards to the draft, uh, so how legit is the hype for B. John Robinson?
2: <sighs> B. John Robinson is a top five player in this draft. Maybe the best player in this draft. Okay. Um, B. John Robinson, it's, it's man, it's similar. He's not quite as good, I would say, on par with a Saquon Barkley, right? Like, mm-hmm. he's that level of dude. Like, you can build an offense around this guy. This guy is going to be special at the next level. But the problem is, of course, is he's a running back, right? So who takes him? If you don't have, you know, if the Giants don't fall in love with Saquon Barkley, that dude tumbles down the board a while, right? So... And the other part of it is, is one, there's a ton of running backs available uh, just kind of on the open market. Uh, and, two, this r- class has a ton of running backs, you know? Like, I mean, if you didn't get Bijan and you take Jamar Gibbs, you're not sad. Like, Jamar Gibbs is Jamal Charles coming up soon. So, um, you know, and the, the second version of that. So that ain't bad either. But that's the, the question, right? I don't think Bijan gets out of the top ten. I think if Carolina misses on a quarterback, I think they take him there. I think Detroit's really going to look hard at it at six unless there's something better there, right? And so – but when you start looking at, like, if he clears nine and you guys don't take him at ten, well, now you start saying, okay, well, the Titans, probably not. I mean, unless they jettison Derrick Henry. Houston, no. Yeah, Houston, no. They have a good running back. Now you're at the Jets at 13. No, they have Brees Hall. And now you look at the Patriots. Well, I've heard the Patriots wouldn't be against it. Yeah. So that's kind of weird, you know, because, like, after that, like, it's it's Green Bay. No. Commanders. No. Pittsburgh. No.
0: Detroit could so double now back. You're
2: look, right. Now you're all the way back down to Seattle. No. And, man, you get down, and then now you're talking Tampa at 19, and they run to the front of the room if Bijan is there. I don't think it's going to happen. Yeah. I don't think – like I said, I don't think he'll get that far because yeah, somebody will make a move for it.
0: Yeah, honestly, like if Miami had their first-round pick, maybe 21st, they'd jump to that board.
2: That's oh, the yeah, only thing yeah. That's dude. the only
0: thing they're missing in their offense. That's
2: Man, that, and a guy like that, a dude, I've even heard heard somebody talking about, why don't they go get Derrick Henry? And i was like, well, because Derrick Henry doesn't fit that offense at all. But, sure. He's not uh, fast for that offense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not Madden. It's not how that works, but it's cool. Um <laughs> Yeah, you're right. And, dude, if, if Miami can, you'd think they would be trying to trade up like crazy to get there. So, uh, But, again, there's a ton of great runners in this draft. I think Miami will get a running back later on and be fine, not have to give up the resources. That's the difference, right? Yeah. It's because it's a running back, you don't want to give up too many resources. So they're probably, I, I think, unless he gets into that, you know, 14, 15, 16 range, that's when you'd start to see that buzz start to build for somebody maybe trying to trade up to get him. Again, <laughs> If I'm a betting man, I don't think he gets out of the top ten yeah. because I think somebody up there says, you know, Atlanta says, why not us, right? Yes, we have Corderell. Yes, we have Tyler Algier, who was great. But that dude makes this thing go. And, and again, and if, it, takes all if,
0: pre- it takes a lot of pressure off Ritter.
2: And if Arthur Smith is looking for his Derrick Henry, that's the dude right there. That dude is a workhorse. Uh, by the way, the other Texas running back, Roshan Johnson, man, I love that kid, too. That kid in any other offense in the country would have been the number one back. If that dude's on Georgia, we're talking about him as a Heisman Trophy guy. Like, yes. that's how good he is. And, you know, of course, he's sitting behind Bijan, so, you know, you're going to miss out on that. But, yes. um, dude, there's, there are some killer runners in this draft, and, and I think – um, you know obviously you guys are going to be in the market for a runner too yeah uh, and so uh, that that I think is definitely something and and by the way if you guys end up with Deuce Vaughn as Brian Westbrook 2.0 and Boston Scott 2.0 I'm going to be so mad because he's going to be so good <laughs> and he's 55 and that would suck but it would also be great for you guys cuz that guy that little dude's going to be a monster just just kick returning right like you don't even need him to do anything else
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um so so you think uh so back to the wide receivers in this draft. Right? So you think Quinn Johnson and Addison are going to be the first two off the board?
2: Uh you know, I think Njigba is going to be the number 1 guy off the board. Yeah, I, th- I think there's qu- Yeah, there's questions be. about yeah, there's questions about Addison and the size uh you know, cuz he ain't Devonte Smith. He he's not that kind of strength guy uh even at the small size right yeah. and quentin johnson uh, johnson i think man he's got all he's got all the stuff you want but really what he looks like is a really good red zone number two wide receiver right like i mean and so that, like you know, alec pierce no <laughs> alec <laughs> pierce get out of here uh, <laughs> I'm, I, I mean, I'm
0: sorry michael, michael pittman <laughs>
2: Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, a little. I hope he has a little more speed than that. But, yeah, I mean, he, look, he's not Megatron, right? He's, yeah. he's not Julio Jones. I mean, he's not that guy. Uh, he's really good. But he can also, like you saw in some of the TCU games, like he got taken away. Yeah. You know, he wasn't a guy that you couldn't not, you know, couldn't not cover, right? Yeah. So, um, so that that's a little bit of worrisome there. You know, like if if I'm sitting there, if, you know, you start looking in those middle – middle picks, obviously, Patriots are a team that definitely could use a wide receiver. Um, hell, the Jets at 13 might be a place where you look and say, dude, if we get one more big dude, if we get Quentin Johnson out there with Garrett Wilson and Elijah Moore, let's go, right? Yeah. So so that's a possibility as well. But I think Njigbo will go quickly. I mean, hell, he could go as high as 12 to Houston if they decide to go that way, if they just want to go all offense
0: yeah. and really
2: try to build this thing up depending on how they do in free agency, of course. Yeah, if they could do the Stroud, the um,
0: uh, Smith and Jigba back-to-back.
2: Yeah, man. That'd, dude, that'd be killer. You know, the, the questions on Jigba is obviously the, the the medical red flags. He's a, he's a smaller guy. You I, him and honestly, that's healthy. that's
0: it. Like, game-wise, he's phenomenal. He's been our best wide receiver uh, for, like, the last, like, year and a half, obviously until Marvin Harrison came to the seed. But uh, it's uh, just dude, the health issues. That's it.
2: Yes. And that's the thing. is like Garrett Wilson said, that's the best wide receiver I've ever played with. And that's you know, that's saying something. He's like he's better than me. Yeah. So that's pretty cool. But um, you know, that's the thing. It's like it's it's the health stuff, it's the it's you know, the the, the big time speed, you know, like the short area speed, no questions, man. And that guy is a tactician or a tactician when it comes to running those routes, but it's it's the it's the long speed, it's it's a couple of those other little questions. And that's why I say there's no there's no wide receivers in this draft without warts. You know, there's nobody. And once you clear those three, man, it is a long way before you get to another guy that I'm even vaguely interested in. You know, Jalen Hyatt, I think, is, a, is purely a, a go guy, right? Yeah. Like, he's, he's done one thing, and I'm not sure that he can do that at this level, at that, you know.
1: Not a fan of
0: Zay Flowers? System.
2: I like Zay Flowers, but again, he's, a, he's purely a slot guy. I think, you know, at, at the 5'10 size, and he, he doesn't, you know, I'd, I'd like to see how he does against press coverage. Um, you know, and, and so then if he can't do that, then now I've got to put him in the slot. He's okay. I mean, like I said, I think for me, that's kind of a tear down. And maybe I'm looking late first, early second for guys like that. Um, but, yeah, I, I think, like I said, I think it, it definitely tears down pretty quickly. And, and it just depends on where you rank those receivers. You know, because one of the important things about the draft, there's no, like, we all see, you know, the Mel Kuyper board and the Todd McShay board and the Dane Bruegler board and all of these things, right? And, and so we'll go off of that saying, oh, well, this, this is the, the, the definitive board, and why are you taking this guy that's way down in the 80s on Dane Bruegler's board? Well, because every team has their own board, right? Mm-hmm. And so when you start ranking those guys, because you're doing it for your team and your scouts and your guys, everybody has a different board. So if, you know, you fall in love with Tyson Alou and you make him the 10th pick in the draft, well, that's ridiculous and everybody laughs at you. But he, way, that's the way it is on your board. So that's just the Monte thing. That Mac no matter see. what. Exactly. Exactly right. And so that's the thing. You've got to have it. You've you got to see where these teams will rank these wide receivers. And the other thing that's fascinating about the draft and the thing I love about it most, is that it's the only place where all 32 teams compete on the same field at the same time, and one pick changes the whole thing, right? Yes. So, like, you're bouncing along, everything's going as everybody had planned, and all the mock drafts look good, and everybody's checking boxes, and we're like, yeah, this is great, and right? And then somebody does something, and everybody panics, and it's like, uh-oh, it's the run on offensive tackles. we got to get ours now. Let's go, let's go, let's go. We push it up the board, right? And so – Paris Johnson goes, oh, man, okay. Then Skarovsky goes, uh-oh, i got to trade up because there's only one left that I really want to start. And then now I'm trading up for Broderick Jones, and, and I'm sacrificing capital on the back end. And so now I'm not going to be able to get this guy that I wanted. And just the chaos ensues, right? And that's how it happens every time. That's why the draft is so much fun. It's um, why I love being there. We'll be there in Kansas City, bringing it to you live, eating some barbecue and having a good time. It's going to be a blast. Mm.
0: Yeah absolutely and uh one last question jeff before i let you go uh so yep. regardless uh if he comes to your team or not like who is that guy that you feel like is going to be a day two day three pick that you feel like that no matter what he's going to be that guy
2: mm, man um Dude, some of the tight ends in this class, I know there's been a lot of talk about Dalton Kincaid and, and, and that guy being just that special. Um, i tell you what, it's hard to ignore what Washington did at the draft, the Georgia tight end. My goodness. Uh, I mean, that dude is either going to be Mercedes Lewis or it's going to be Gron- Rob Gronkowski, right? Mm. Like, <laughs> And you don't know which one it is, but one of those is going to be real good and one of them is going to be, eh, he's a guy, right? Um, so, you know, those, those types of dudes, I think are, are where that, um, where that falls, but, uh, man, you know, that's the thing about this draft is, is there's not a whole lot of guys that I say, Oh, I have it. I had to think about it for a minute. The guy that we're going to be talking about, the guy that goes in the second round of this draft and is absolutely a perennial pro bowler is Jack Campbell, the Iowa, uh, linebacker, my goodness, that dude is about to become an absolute stud. That will be the dude that we're all sitting around going how the hell did the 49ers get Fred Warner in the 4th 5th round, or wherever he went because um, that guy's a monster he's the greatest cover linebacker we've ever seen Right? that's how we'll be talking about Jack Campbell, like Jack Campbell's Brian Urlacher, damn it, how did he fall into the second round, what were we all doing well, we were all saying, as a linebacker eh, he's fine that guy, Jack Campbell. Uh, whoever, Whatever team he ends up on, he's going to be one of those dudes. So, yeah, that that's my guy.
0: All right. He uh, got the Jeff Brown stamp of approval. There it is. All
2: right. There it is.
0: Uh, once again, Jeff, uh, thank you for taking the time to, uh, you know, always a pleasure talking football with you, man. Tell the people where they can find you at.
2: Absolutely. Uh, at sports narrative on Twitter, we're going. We are uh, following very closely the Woody Johnson plane as they are headed to dinner in Los Angeles. And Aaron Rodgers will be a New York Jet by the end of the week. Book it.
0: All right, you heard it here first. Here on the Runner back sports, sports for the culture. Jeff, we appreciate the call, man. Be safe.
2: Yes, sir. Be well.
0: All right. And once again, you're listening to 98.5 WGYAD, the Runabout Sports Show, Sports for the Culture. If you want to call to join the discussion, that number is 215-763-9596. All right. Oh, man. And Jeff wasn't getting it because I'm reading a tweet from Field Gates right now. Teams that reportedly not be pursuing a deal for Lamar Jackson includes the Falcons, the Dolphins, the Panthers, the Commanders and the Raiders. Wow. So, pretty much every team that has an opportunity to essentially go get them, they're not interested. That's, that's a little, it's a little skeptical. I book, but eh, it is what it is. But here's the thing: Lamar Jackson is when he's fully healthy, the guy is a top five top five quarterback talent in this league, youngest MVP in NFL history. And I feel like if he's in a much better system that isn't what he was subjected to over the first five years, I feel like he would be a lot better. Uh, and honestly, this kind of, you know, kind of took the wind out of my sail because I was actually going to talk about Lamar Jackson Nation, destinations that I would personally like to see. Um, obviously, Washington says they're out, but why not like just said like why not Washington what exactly are you going to be spending your first round pick on that is better than what you could possibly get in Lamar Jackson you immediately approve your quarterback room because Heineke and then Sam Howell will be your backups capable backups you didn't spend the rest of your draft fortifying your offensive line the weapons are there Logan Thomas Curtis Samuel uh Denami Brown Terry McLaurin you have a Trio of good running backs, J.D. McKissick, uh, Brian Robinson, Jr., Antonio Gibson. And now with Airbnb, uh, now being a play caller, new assistant hand coach, being able to orchestrate that offense, can you imagine all that motion offense Kansas City does with Lamar Jackson? That's a match made in heaven. And the fact that Washington is not going to be able to do this, it, it, it baffles me. Maybe they need the new ownership to kind of, you know, Kick it into motion that maybe you do need, you know, Action Jackson in the nation's capital in order for you to win. And honestly, I kind of disagree in regards to the owner maybe a little bit hesitant to not spend money. I mean, listen, the Phoenix as soon as Phoenix finalized that deal to get Robert Sarver out, and we got new on- and they got new ownership. You know what happened? That Kevin Durant trade immediately happened that same that same week. So who knows? Maybe the new guy, you know, after, you know, taking over from Dan Schneider, maybe wants to make a huge splash and Washington, Traceful Lamar Jackson and becomes the second best team in the end second best team in the that division. <laughs> because remember, they were seven and ten. If they didn't play all those games and trying to do the Carson Wentz Vanity project, who knows? Maybe they might have a winning record and they'd be one of those playoff teams and Maybe the first time in NFL history that an entire division made the playoffs. Lamar changes your offense, and I and I mean that for the better. You have a lot of excellent game-breakers and playmakers on your offense. With Eric be enemy calling the plays, Washington, why not? Take that risk. Take that gamble. Get Lamar Jackson to orchestrate your offense. What do you have to lose? Another one is another destination I would like to see Lamar Jackson in is Detroit. And just to make sure, like I said earlier, a team has to have back to back first round picks and it has to be yours. So that means that number six pick that Detroit has, that was from the Rams. So if anything, you would be able to keep that pick and then draft accordingly. At that point, you know, draft the best player available or, you know, you could trade down and regain some of that draft capital that you lost trading your two first-round picks. But Detroit will be amazing. Offensive line is already there; it's pretty good. They were the third that they were the third, I think, in total um, yards allowed, yards forwarded in terms of offensive production um, this year. Yeah, got Deontay Swift when he's healthy. You can always draft yourself a tight end. Uh, Jameson Williams is going to be have a full um, OTA is fully healthy Amon Ross St. Brown DJ Shark that is a Really good trio of wide receivers And obviously the best wide receiver room Lamar Jackson Will ever have the opportunity to play in. And you draft yourself another running back Because obviously As much as Deontay Swift is good They know they, The Lions already know they're not going to offer him another deal Because he's unreliable He can't stay healthy so you get yourself another running back in the draft, or you go into free agency and you get one, and you spend the AT pick and your first round pick next year, you get Lamar Jackson and you f- and you rock out. So those were my top two um, destinations for Lamar Jackson. goats. I didn't really have a third one because as soon as I saw that Atlanta wasn't interested, I kind of just scratched that off the board. I mean, shout-out shout out to Atlanta, you know, all the people in the world on Desmond Ritter. That's something. But it's Lamar Jackson. is a fourth and MVP. And we all know how much Lamar Jackson loves throwing to his tight end, and you have a perfect, amazing, one of the most talented tight ends in the league that's completely underutilized but will be utilized to the fullest if you have Lamar Jackson there. Tyler Rogier, Cordell Patterson, Drake London, Kyle Pitts, for Lamar Jackson. That's that's some fun football you're going to be watching. But they already said they're they're kind of already out of the sweepstakes. They are not interested. I don't get it. Another interesting another interesting scenario that I saw is that the Titans are blowing it up, rightfully so, uh, especially on the offensive side. Taylor Watt is going. $36 million is going to go to a 35-year-old injury-prone Ryan Tannehill and they're shopping Derrick Henry <laughs> To try to get some sort of draft capital back to speed up their rebuilding process and Honestly, I only have one destination that will only make sense For where Derrick Henry to go and that's inside the conference I was like Buffalo if I'm sorry, I'm spending a second and a fourth or fifth to get Derrick Henry to Buffalo right now. Buffalo is way too pass happy. It was, it's was. it been that way since Brian Dable was there. They doubled down now more. There was Ken Dorsey. And Josh Allen has probably had the biggest turnover pro season of his entire career, probably since like a second year. But you're not getting Derrick Henry to win you some regu- uh, regular season games. The purpose of getting a Derrick Henry is for you in January, for you to take the low off of Josh Allen for him to throw to 35, 40 times a game. You know, all the double teams and the single and the single high coverage that they're doing with safety up top with Gabe Davis and Stephon Diggs and Dawson Knox that goes away when you put number 22. In that backfield with Lamar with Josh Allen. And can you imagine an RPO offense with that? Granted, Derrick Henry doesn't have the speed for that, but that is something that you have to account for. And that is a terrifying thought for defenses having to tackle uh whether or not you have to decipher whether to tackle a two hundred and fifty forty pound running back, 250 two hundred and fifty pound six foot five quarterback, or you gotta tackle Derrick Henry. Buffalo makes the most sense for Derrick Henry because at that point you, could, Josh Allen can still do Josh Allen things, but in the postseason in which you need that battering ram. All due respect to Devin Singletary, Zach Moss, James Cook, like none of those guys aren't Derrick Henry. Those are guys; those are good complimentary backs. So you put Derrick Henry in that in that offense in January and. Maybe it, maybe it's not twenty seven to ten against against Buffalo, against the Bengals. Maybe you don't lose the year before. Maybe you have somebody who can just get the ball six or seven times during the late stretches of the games and just tire out the Chiefs defense. Derrick Henry to Buffalo makes the most sense for me. And last, what is the Philadelphia Eagles plan? It has been way too quiet in Philadelphia. Way too quiet. Which is a little weird and kinda of off brand when it comes to talking about Harry Roseman. But in the end, Howie deserves your trust. The guy took a four eleven and one team, obviously he had a lot to do with it in terms of handling that. And constructed two years later into a Super Bowl contender. And we're looking now, even with all the moves that are going on, they're still they're still orchestrating a Super Bowl caliber offense. Garner Johnson might be. Garner Johnson is going because obviously the safety market is going to be ridiculous, and we might not be able to pay that. T.J. Edwards might be going because Zero White is still on. Javon Hargrave, we're not going to pay that guy's market value, which is twenty million dollars. Fletcher Cox is gone. Brandon Graham might be gone as well. Bradbury's is potentially gone as well. We don't know what's going to go on with even Jason Kelsey either. Hopefully, can't, hopefully the the kid from Nebraska, Jam Juergens, I hope you're ready for this next step. But the one thing that I will say is that Howie has definitely deserved the trust of every single Philadelphia Eagles fan. He and more and more than not over the last few years have drafted fairly well. He knows how to allocate money properly in order to build a contender or just to defer money so it doesn't affect their cap for like another for like another few years <laughs> but overall I'm not worried like if I'm pretty sure they'll pick up a running back in the draft uh, wide receivers you really have nothing to worry about they could possibly go in for AFC get themselves a, a consistent wide receiver three because every, cause I don't like to equate to one thing as to being an issue for this team but Every single time they try to force the ball to Chris Watkins, bad things happen. And it just doesn't make any sense to me. <laughs> how how much of a wide receiver three is such a hindrance to this team. But they definitely gotta restock up on defense with all these free agent with all these free agent departures. So Howie, you got your work to do. And as of right now, you have the trust of the Philadelphia uh, of everybody here in Philadelphia. To get this team back to where it needs to be. Right. It's actually a pretty good show today. Yeah, you know, once again, I appreciate you know my guys got Kai Carlin and uh, Jeff Bowers, uh, you know, for calling in today. I'm actually going to cut the show a little bit short today. Um, so definitely tune in next week. It is the NFL free agency edition of the running back sports show, Sports for the Culture, every Tuesday, six to 8 p.m. Eastern. It's going to be a really good one. The legal tampering period is going to begin. Who knows? Maybe we do might see Aaron Rodgers sporting a new green in New York City. We may see, you know, brand-new contract extensions. Who might be up next to get a contract extension? Who could be traded? What what could potentially happen? That's the thing about the NFL offseason. It's so fast. It's so quick paced. That anything can happen at the drop of a hat. Anyway, I just want to thank everybody for tuning in tonight to the running back sports show sports for the culture. You know, once again, shout out to my amazing guest that called in. Once again, this is Christopher Thomas from ninety eight point five WJYN and AlltownRadioPhilly.org. An online radio box of 98.5. This has been another edition of the run a Sports Show, Sports for the Culture, signing off.